and welcome to another episode of The Failed Podcast, a podcast where I delve into everything failing or just not doing something because you're fearing to fail. So instead, you end up sitting in your sofa scrolling your phone, which is exactly what I've done too many times. So I decided to challenge myself and make a podcast about it because we all need to look our fears in the eye. And I am glaring at this microphone. Today, I've got the coolest Rob Silver. Oh God, I should never sing with me. He's a man with many balls in the air, as we say in Norwegian. (laughs) I just realized I haven't said that out loud before now. That's great. (laughs) He's just settled down and got both a wife and a child within... A year just over a year but because he's a man and not a woman there's so much more to him than his marriage duties so let's see what it is hello rob how are you doing oh uh, yeah straight off on the gender stereotypes brilliant yeah i'm good i'm good very good how are you <laughs> thank you yeah good i was just very worried about that introduction but i think i think we will we'll be fine yeah, I really like being described as somebody with lots of balls in the air. So I think we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to use that going forward. So it's really good. Well, actually, I can start with that then, and and ask you, what do you do? What's what's all your balls? My balls, yeah. Where do we begin? I mean, honestly, uh, I mean, it depends on how much detail we want to go into. But I suppose to to keep it nice and succinct, uh, I work in property management. I do. Uh, video games translation from Japanese to English. Um, I work in front of house, um, concert assistant at a lovely church in central London. And, you know, uh, I've done lots of different sort of similar things over the years. And I have lots of different similar things that I want to do going forward. Lots of different passions and hobbies. That's a lot of balls, man. <laughs> that's that's great. Good many things. We could, let's call them things. <laughs> so, Rob, um, you just said you... You work in London, so I assume you live in London as well. Correct. And where are you from? Well, London. <laughs> we got yeah, an exotic man far. here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I've really not, I've not gone far. I've travelled quite a lot. I mean, there's probably, you know, plenty of your listeners would have done tons of really exciting stuff and been to loads of really cool places. I think I've done all right. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't, can't find it in my heart to leave London really it's it's been difficult trying to um trying to what am I trying to say here because we you know in order to to have a family and have a nice family home you sort of have to move out of London unless you're a millionaire so and as I'm sadly not a millionaire yet um you know maybe one day uh we're, we're just we're gonna we're gonna end up having to move out in order to get more space so yeah it's uh it's my home. It's my home, he said, with so much sentiment. The plan is, because we, we do, uh, the, my family business in property, we do um, manage some properties out in Suffolk. So not too far from London, uh, a couple of hours drive. And I think that we'll end up trying to settle somewhere out there, you know, where, where you can get a lot more space for your, for your money, um, much more affordable and probably a nicer place to live, to be honest. I mean, it just, you know, it's difficult for a Londoner, I think, to consider leaving London. I can't speak for all Londoners, but that's just how I feel. 
but yeah. I think you know I think there are much nicer places out there really in all honesty yeah yeah but they don't have what London has you know like everything yeah no no I agree and like you can, you can say that about any big city really I mean you, you talk about like New York or, or Tokyo I, mean, I love to I, you know I've spent a lot of time in Tokyo and it just it's like a home away from home but yeah it's uh, all these big cities have everything that you need in one place all very close together you've got the, the, the culture you know um and uh, access to everything but yeah you can have a nicer pace of life um, you can be less hectic, less busy, and uh, maybe happier being in a in a quieter part of the world. I don't know. Who knows? I haven't done it yet. So I don't know. <laughs> well, you lived in Tokyo, didn't you? Yeah. So I spent a year there as part of my university course studying Japanese language. So yeah, that was that was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it was brilliant, brilliant um, thing you to learn do, to dance and. Well remembered, yes. Um, <laughs> oh wow. Okay, so that's come up. Um, yeah. Well, I did. I did a couple of things out there. There was a. So there was. This is going to sound really weird. And give people the <laughs> Do tell. Um, there's a traditional Japanese fisherman's dance, um, <laughs> which is you know like it's a very it's like a kind of culturally respected and protected dance which is kind of passed down through generations and anyway and so there was a little group a little um they call them circles in japan uh, in in the uk we call them societies so it was, it was a, like a fisherman dance society um which i joined and learned the dance and we performed it at a festival and it was great and it, it was fantastic brilliant experience and i did a bit of break dancing while i was there too because why not <laughs> did you have anything to do with fishing or was that just a fancy name no, no, yeah, absolutely, because it was, it was to do with, um, it was like a, I don't, I don't know how to sort of describe it in English, but it's like a, a call for when you're, when you're out fishing, you know, you're like, you're with the lads, you've gone out fishing on a big boat, and you're, you do this dance, it's like, you know, like you might do a rain dance, mm. um, it's a, it's a fishing dance, and it's just like, it's a call, and some of the movements in the dance, um, are, you know, they reflect the movements of, hauling fish into the boat and pulling pulling down the hoist or whatever they're called on I'm not a fisherman so I don't know but yeah there's um all sorts of cool movements in there you need to be nice and fit to do it which I can't do now oh wow yeah I think you I think you showed us some moves in the church at one point didn't you did that oh my god I must have been drunk <laughs> at church well Right, let's move on to um, to your dream, Rob. What's your dream? Where do you want to end up? Um, you know, it's hard because, like, um, I think things just kind of happen. And I feel like maybe as I've got older, that traditional view of a dream has kind of just changed a little bit because you just have to roll with the punches and, and kind of adapt with life. But... Um, yeah, I'd love to get back into composing. I used to make music quite regularly. That was a big passion of mine. And I just haven't, haven't had the time really to do it. Partly because I I never managed to make it, well, didn't make much money out of it. So yeah, I mean, that's something I'd love to get, even if it wasn't to make any kind of profit from it, I'd love to be able to have time to, to do all that. So that's one sort of dream. And um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think I enjoy the translating. I think I'm quite good at it. So I probably would like to keep up 
doing that maybe i'll start my own translation company or something and hire more people to to help out and take on more work and who knows because that's something that i i know i know about you know it's something i feel competent doing so yeah yeah and i suppose there's two different dreams as well because you've just started as i mentioned a family which must be mm. a dream as well like to see your daughter grow up and live just a happy married life yeah absolutely i mean it's uh, but that that kind of goes without saying i mean you, you know you i think everyone who has a child just it's overwhelming the feeling of just you just want the best for them you just want them to be as happy as they can be and as successful as they can be and just have have a nice life you know so so all of these things you know um these kind of I suppose selfish dreams of mine to be able to do things for me like composing translating whatever that I would hope would translate into uh, a comfortable life for all of us um, and yeah and, and hopefully give little Delilah the things that she wants that way so who knows yeah we can only do what we what we can do <laughs> yeah and what you have time to do but I do hope you get the time to do all of your composing translation composing words there we go dreams <laughs> to mix it together wonderful exceptional delightful to get us into the failing bit first i would like to hear your relationship with failing are you are you a fan of failing <laughs> yeah i mean i think you know you described me earlier as somebody with a lot of balls in the air i would normally describe myself as just a really tall walking you know mess of failures really i think like you know that's why i found this so hard when you asked me to do it because i was trying to pinpoint really specific kind of like big failures that i've done in my life um, and i know there are you know there are little failures and and uh, all sorts of mistakes i've made but i think that in many ways life is a for me anyway it's sort of like a series of little failures which then sort of turn out okay and or, or change the direction of your life and it's it's always sort of okay but you know yeah you just sort of end up doing lots of mistakes and I think that's just part of life really exactly which is sort of the point of it because it's I think maybe it's more about the oh I don't want to do that because I'm so scared of failing but then when you actually do fail, it's not actually usually not a big deal. It's not like someone dies because you fail. Most of us aren't, you know, firemen or rescuers who, yeah, yeah. who fail at yeah. our job, which would be interesting, wouldn't it? That would be a tragic story to hear. You've got to get your next guest as a comment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. I'm not sure if I'm equipped to, to ask the right questions. Um, anyway, so, yeah, it is part of life, all of these small and big failures that we do but but the fact that we learn so much from it but it's also interesting to see or hear everyone's different reactions and experiences and re retros ret retrospectives is that a word uh, I think I know what you're trying to say yeah when when you look back you know when you look back on things and you reflect and everything in retrospect yes is, um, you know you can you can learn different things after the event you know yes exactly yeah, sure. yeah so have you stopped yourself or like i'm i'm sure you have well i'm not sure you have but have, <laughs> have you stopped yourself in doing something because you have been too afraid to do it 
oh yeah i mean there's there's loads of things and, and sometimes it's you know um it's i think that sort of thing can be quite crippling you know because you um obviously it's it's for the best in a lot of cases you know your um your instinct tells you don't do that because it's dangerous you're going to break your leg or or you're going to get a smack you know if you say the wrong thing to someone or, you know it's like <laughs> you, something in your brain tells you don't do it it's not a good idea and um you know obviously you, you can sort of choose to listen to it or not um and there's a big impulse to listen to it and you sort of yeah i think you just got to be um sometimes it's very difficult to take a sort of leap of faith even when you know there's a huge chance of failure and these are the sort of things that in many ways um create really really great successes is when there's something that's almost guaranteed to be a failure but in fact it's something that you know you might say you do something a hundred times 99 times you fail but it's that one last time that you've made a success um and you, you you've achieved something amazing so yeah i mean to those sort of people that can just you know completely ignore that impulse to not do it uh, and then still just go and do it and if they can then prove everyone wrong and, and get it right it's it's, it's huge remarkable thing. yeah but then do you think is a difference between like say oh i want to do this because it would be cool to do a backflip but if you fail, you will break your back. Like, do you think there's a difference between knowing when to actually try something <laughs> and not? Like, I think there's a there's a there's a balance to be had. There's a fine line, and there's also um, there's different grades here. Because if you say I want to do, okay, I'll tell you something that I, I didn't expect um, to think about, but um, you kind of got me thinking back when I was at uni, I was told, basically I decided one day I want to be able to do a handstand. Don't ask me why, I just wanted to be able to do a handstand. Um, so I was, I had um, a, a good friend of mine who he was helping me out with break dancing sort of stuff. And I thought he'd be a good person to go for because he, you know, he does handstands and head spins and all sorts of crazy stuff all the time. So I said, how do you do it? And he started teaching me and how to build the right muscles and get the balance and all this kind of stuff, what sort of training I could do. So I started doing it. And obviously, you know, with things like that, you don't just jump into it. So you mentioned doing a backflip. Of course, you don't just suddenly try and jump backwards and flip around. You practice and you do things in steps, you know, you train. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in this case, you know, I, I was finding it really hard and I, I was doing handstands kind of against, against the, with my legs against the wall. And my back kept on giving in. And then, um, and my mum used to be a dancer, so her profession when she was younger. And I asked her, I said, you know, what, what, what do you reckon? Um, you know, am I going nowhere? And she sort of suggested maybe that because I was so tall and I hadn't grown up doing this sort of exercise, um, maybe my back's just not, it's just not equipped to deal with doing something like a handstand. But you know, and I, obviously I did take it seriously. I thought, well, maybe she's right. Maybe I'll never be able to do a handstand. Fair enough. I'm not the sort of person that's supposed to do a handstand. It's not the end of the world. It's not in the cards for me. Anyway, all of this is quite a long story and not very interesting. No, it the is. The point is, I persevered um, and I just kept on doing it. I just kept on trying and eventually I did. And I'm not saying I can do a handstand for like a minute or 10 minutes, 
but I can do it for maybe like 10 seconds, 15 seconds. And that was good enough for me. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, that was something where it wasn't like, you know, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't really see it as failure at the time. It was just, it was steps that you need to kind of gradually, you just got to build yourself up to it. Um, so I suppose, yeah, that, that could be described as you're constantly, you know, every time, every day you do it, you do it for months and every day until that one day that you finally do it, you're failing. But I suppose I didn't really think of it in that bit of time. Yeah, it's just, you know, you've got to sometimes push through um, yeah. and not try and just do a handstand straight away. You've got to train for it, you know? Yeah. But the fact that also your mum said, maybe this isn't for you and you still kept going, that's like... You really wanted to try this. Yeah, and and do you know what? I honestly, I don't know why. I don't know why I was so obsessed with, I can't remember. I just, something in me was like, I, you know what? I have to be a person that can do a handstand. That's it, you know? It's a good party trick, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if I, I haven't tried for ages, actually. I don't know whether I can still do it. Probably not, I'm going to guess. It's a good thing this is a podcast and not a video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, we would have, have you on the floor. Display oh yeah <laughs> exceptional exceptional right let's Exception. move on <laughs> let's move on to the first failure of yours we want to hear about which is the outrageous kind of funny failure where you might have thought in the moment this is not funny this is serious i fucked up massively yeah. but then thinking about it now it's just a funny funny fun funny fun story so tell me rob okay well um, I was really racking my brain, you know, um, there's a lot of things, you know, like I say, I feel like I've done a lot of silly things um, in my life. And, um, but yeah, one, one came to mind, which was a, a good few years ago, I was working for a um, translation company in Hounslow. And um, it was one of those ones where when we didn't have like an active translation to do, so we often were work, waiting for work to come in, we were kind of translating episodic um, games and sometimes the new content hadn't been sent to us yet so we kind of we didn't have an awful lot to do so we a lot of us would spend a lot of time just on YouTube or whatever um, and I got into watching a series on YouTube um, which was on TV before called An Idiot Abroad I don't know if you've heard of this there was this funny guy called Carl Pilkington he gets sent around the world um, to just see cultural various stuff and he's oh, like yeah. really it's so funny and he's just like he's really just not interested in any sort of other cult he just doesn't get it um so he's always really sort of in a bad mood so anyway um so i was there watching it and it's all usually it's a relatively innocent show to watch i mean he might swear a couple of times maybe but it's relatively safe you know to watch at work anyway for some reason so my the, the, where i sat on my desk my computer the door to the office was behind me so as soon as you step in the office you'd see my screen among some of the other things. and I had it on full screen and for some reason I don't know why uh on this episode I think it was in India and at this very moment on the video there was this bloke in India who was showing Carl Pilkington uh that he had I mean this I don't know this is a horrible thing to talk about maybe he had a really really stretchy foreskin this guy and so he was showing <laughs> showing this, you know, uh, the TV camera, how stretchy his foreskin was. At that very moment, not only was my supervisor passing by my desk, but through the door to the office comes the vice president of the company, this Japanese guy, 
who came in and he was just absolutely horrified. My supervisor went into a bit of a meltdown. It was crazy. And, uh, you know, obviously I didn't get fired and it was okay. And it was like, oh, it's just a silly TV show. Don't be watching that sort of thing. But you they know, said it was okay. You could keep watching. It's didn't okay. Say, I didn't say it was okay. But it was like, no, I closed it. I was like super embarrassed. But, you know, you're like, you know, you've got to be careful about what you're watching. Right? You know, I explained what it was and all this stuff. But afterwards, obviously, you know, looking back, like, it's just crazy and quite funny. But it was just horrifying at the time. <laughs> Talk about timing. I mean, like, that's crazy timing to walk in. And that sort of stuff, this is the weird thing. That sort of stuff doesn't happen on that show generally. <laughs> you know, it's the only kind of thing that, that's like a little bit, oh, you know, edgy. So, <laughs> yeah. What did you think that's of the moment, though? Thing. Were you very, were you very embarrassed or like, what did you do? Did you just close it and then pretend nothing? I closed it. I apologized. I felt like I was sweating like mad because I, you know, I just felt really hot and like, oh my God, you know, all eyes were on me, you know, and not, the thing is, because all people were, you know, different people in the room, probably about 15 or so people in the office and they couldn't all see what was going on, but they knew there was some sort of commotion something a bit weird crazy happening so they're all sort of standing up trying to look over and see what's happening with rob over there so it was all you know very embarrassing spotlight on me and yeah felt felt awful really i was so embarrassed so i thought why did the show have to show that little bit right at that moment it's just yeah really bad time did they say something your uh, the vice president of the company no he just he didn't talk i don't remember him talking at all he may have said something but i don't remember and my supervisor i think my supervisor only had a bit of a stressful meltdown because the vice president was there and it was just it was just embarrassing all round for all of us so yeah just it's one of those things it reminds me of um to bring it back to the me to the me to the me when i was in college college in uh, high school college or whatever you call it i went to a media line media media and communication so we did a lot of filmmaking picture taking illustration graphic design all of those kind of media stuff and as yeah. uh, usually we got two weeks to do an assignment and for example the filming ones uh, we couldn't always do something at school and we weren't permitted to leave school. So we mm. sat there for eight hours a day. Uh, my friend was playing The Sims. I was watching a very Potter musical uh, and I sat in the right direction. So I had no teachers behind me, but some other people, I think it was like two or three people who sat with the computers showing the teachers. Obviously they had to be more careful about what they were doing. But I spent 50% of my time in that college just watching youtube videos of harry potter um uh, yeah stuff like star kid musicals nice. so um yeah <laughs> anyway um so actually how long did it take you to sort of laugh at it or do you still find it embarrassing no i mean i i still think back and i do i remember that feeling of just being you know really embarrassed by it but it is funny you know like if you just look at it from if, if I wasn't in that situation and I saw it happen to somebody else, you know, it's funny because it's like, just what are the odds that at that timing that would happen? But yeah, yeah, it's, I, I can laugh at it for sure. Like it is a funny story to me, but, but I still feel a bit embarrassed. Like maybe I shouldn't have been, or maybe I should have been a bit more careful about what I was watching. I didn't think something like that would be on YouTube. If I'm honest, <laughs> no. Anyway. no, that's the thing as well. Isn't that prohibited to have stuff like that on YouTube? 
if if it gets i suppose if it gets flagged or whatever but if somebody uploads it and it's you know nobody's flagged it and it's yeah. I guess it just stayed. I don't know how it works. Well, what an excellent fail, Rob. I feel like you <laughs> failed <do>. properly. <laughs> being a worker, being a, a decent human being. No. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. We're going to move on to even more serious stuff. So yes. what is your most, not your most serious, but what is a personal failure that you've actually overcome and you've sort of turned it into success. Uh, basically, what I thought of when I looked at this question was um, my failure to get the correct grades or the required grades uh, on my A-levels, um, which were necessary to go to the university uh, that I wanted to go to. So I applied for, I don't know, five or six different universities, all to do Japanese studies. But being a Londoner, I just wanted to stay in London. So my top choice was SOAS in London. And obviously there's a grade requirement for all of these, all of these things. And I, I just did, I didn't get the grades. So I got rejected from every single one of my unis, except for one, which was Leeds University. God knows why. I mean, I didn't get the grades for Leeds, but they some, I don't know, they gave me, they gave me a place. So I ended up kind of against my will going having to go to Leeds University and having to leave, leave London and so for, at, at the time it was just like a world crumbling it sounds so silly now because it's like it's so long ago and everything has obviously worked out for the best but yeah I, I was so devastated back then you know and I had to come to terms with oh my god I have to leave London I've got to go to Yorkshire who wants to go to Yorkshire you know um but yeah obviously I I, I love Yorkshire now. Uh, it's just, you know, such a lovely part of the world. And uh, my whole course there was just fantastic. And um, it was the best thing. And everything that came from that was was just, you know, absolutely fantastic. And in a similar sort of sense, we actually got to make preferences. Not We didn't make a choice, but we made preferences for where we wanted to go in Japan on our year abroad. And my strong preference was for um, a place called Nagoya, which is kind of in central Japan, because I had a bunch of friends there. So I really wanted to go on my year abroad to Nagoya because I knew people there and I'd feel comfortable kind of going there and all the rest of it. And I didn't I didn't get put there. I got put in Tokyo instead. So, again, that familiar feeling of, oh, God, you know, I've got to go to the big city, Tokyo, right when I'm getting used to, you know, sort of. Well suburban life in a, in a university <laughs> provincial city of Leeds you know I want to stay in that sort of lifestyle and I'm going to go to Tokyo now but again it was just the best thing ever so yeah so that, that, I mean I don't know is that sort of has it answered it properly I don't yeah, know. yeah yeah the fact that so so you you succeeded from it because you ended up it, it ended up actually being a good choice after all if yeah. you went to any of the other universities would you still be able to go to Japan abroad yeah, um, yes, but most of them, uh, I think almost all of them, they send their students, language students abroad in the third year, four-year course, and the third year is abroad. Leeds do it in the second year, which was just brilliant for me because I, I just, I was so excited to just get out there. But, uh, and funnily enough, you know, I met somebody while I was in Tokyo who was in his third year, year abroad at SOAS, the uni that I wanted to go to. <laughs> And this is going to sound really bitchy of me. I'm not, I don't mean to sort of be really horrible. He was a really nice guy. 
and his Japanese ability was like genuinely quite appalling. Um, so he'd done two years at SOAS and he'd spent half a year in Tokyo and his Japanese was awful. And I, I couldn't help but think at the time, thank goodness I went somewhere like Leeds, which has taught me well, you know. <laughs> also, was there a reason why you chose Leeds? Like there are cities closer to London than Leeds. Listen, did you, did you hear my story? I got rejected from everywhere <laughs> except for Leeds. Yeah, I but... Chose, I went to go, so, listen, I applied for um, University of East Anglia, Norwich. That's not far. You know, I applied for that one. I applied for, I think Cardiff was one of my choices. You know, I mean, Wales isn't too far. I forget all the others. It was like five or six unis. But yeah, East Anglia, that would have been my next choice because that's not far. South yeah, England. I don't recall that there was one sort of. Well, you should have. You would have All a right, completely mate. different but, life. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true, though. Like everything would have been completely different, you know, if I'd gone somewhere else. Yeah. Which is yeah. obviously we will never know what will happen if if we do the other way. Yeah. Oh my God! What? What? Possibly to know this this route like if we do the original route obviously something would happen and who knows it might have been great as well but then that doesn't really matter because we're on a different path at the moment and that turned out well yeah. so there's no way there's no point in thinking ah oh, what would have happened if we did this would it yeah. would yeah. i have failed would i have not have failed would it have been slightly better which is where i have problems especially with food i'm like should i choose this or should i choose this because if i choose the wrong one there's a whole meal done you know it's a broken meal i hear you that's <laughs> a small yeah. fail but it is a huge fail <laughs> it's huge that's a huge one. Oh yeah it's like when you in these days you know we rely on takeaways if we want to have a nice you know like an exotic meal you've got to get a takeaway can't go to restaurants at the moment and yeah my god if you get the wrong takeaway that's it your evening's ruined completely i think i've cried multiple times just because i've ordered the wrong wrong thing yeah happens to me every day yeah <laughs> um let's go back to proper failings actually is there anything you take from this i mean I was, we sort of dabbled into it but is there something you think this experience has taught me to dot 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 um i mean i, I always try and learn something you know something's gone wrong or hasn't gone the way it planned you know what could I do differently next time I like to plan ahead I'm a real anyone that knows me well knows that I'm a real I plan things in advance and so yeah if there's things that I can if there's little lessons I can take from something that hasn't gone quite right then I can use it to help plan for something similar or or doing the same thing again in the future so yeah I mean I, I do try and take little lessons uh, but but at the same time, you know, I think, I guess I've learned that things, as long as you're sort of, you know, if you can be positive and upbeat and, and roll with the punches and adapt and be flexible, things tend to work out for the best. I think when you're so set in your ways and it's got to be just so, and it has to be, you know, if it's not this, I'm going to, you know, be depressed or whatever. That's when obviously, yeah, you're, you know, you start, getting into problems I think then when you, you know um and I've seen it happen with with you know people I know who just they're so stubborn about certain things that I think they make life harder for themselves 
So I think we can, you know, yeah, that's, I, I try and be relatively easygoing and just shit happens, you know, things change. And if you can't deal with it, then, you know, God help you. But I think, I think you're right there with saying if, I mean, if you are a perfectionist, you will fail anyway, because as you said as well, there's many, there's many uh, earlier on, um, many steps to get what you want. And for each step, there is probably a little failure, uh, which means setting the bar lower. I always set the bar quite low because then you always surprise yourself and you never really fail because you always do more than you thought. It's a nice way to live, definitely. I should do it in more aspects. I think I do it in some aspects, but I should probably bring it into the bigger life life problems. Yeah, anyway. No, that's the lovely um lovely fail you've got there, um Rob. I feel like you've um you properly succeeded in seeing the good in the situation. Like the fact that you were so sad about not well, being rejected from all those schools that you actually wanted to do and then having to just move on and try something yeah. where you actually let's to go wasn't going to go back but i'm now going to on the first day in leeds were you like ready to take on this new adventure or were you still like Ugh. No. no 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 it it took it took a little while you know to because you know you want to feel like i think we just we all want to feel like we belong somewhere and because it was just easy the thought of staying in London because I know London all my friends and family are here that was just the that was the kind of easier path I suppose the more comfortable path of where I belong but you know so when you go to a new place and people who have traveled around and, and moved from place to place in their life will know it does it takes a bit of time to settle in somewhere new and get to know new people and so until you start to feel a bit more confident that you've got friends and that you are you, you feel like you, you, you do deserve and belong to be there and it's the right place to be. It does take a bit of time. So, yeah, that, obviously, you know, I was nervous and anxious and, and missing home and all of that sort of stuff for, for a little while. I can't remember, honestly. And the same thing happened when I, when I got to Japan for the year abroad, even though I'd had that, that first year away from home. Then there was a second year on the other side of the world. So, yeah, it, you know, it takes a lot of getting used to. But then you do, and well, then you did, and not everyone, because I think there are stories about people who actually realize early on that this isn't what they wanted. Maybe, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they don't stick it out for too long. But there's always many reasons why people don't feel like they fit in, or you know, not to say that some people do struggle. Yeah, no, definitely. And there were people I remember on my on my course who. Um who left, you know, sometimes even halfway through the year abroad, they would just leave and, and pack up and go home and quit the course and, and drop out. And uh, I just, I don't know, I, I just always figured, even if I was feeling homesick or whatever, I might as well try and enjoy myself while I'm there and then see it through to the end of the year and then get back to Leeds and see what's happening then. You know, yeah. so it's sort of like, I don't know, it's different, I suppose, different personality types. Some people won't be homesick at all. They'll be used to that sort of thing, moving around. and Great, let's get to it. I love a challenge. There'll be someone who's somewhere in the middle, which I think I am, who, you know, especially now, you know, I like a challenge and I'm up for changing things up a bit and trying different things. But, um, you know, and, and I sort of think it's always important to at least 
give it a go and see it through to a certain point before giving up. And then, um, and then there's the other people who just go, do you know what? I can't do this and, and, and they'll give up early. Um, it doesn't mean that anyone is right or wrong. It's just different, different strokes for different folks, as they say. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, Rob, thank you so much for sharing those two wonderful failures. I'm sure we all got some new perspective on life. Deef. Oh my God, what's going on with my English today? I'm sure <laughs> we've all got some new perspective on life. Indeed. <laughs> uh, and now we're going to move on to improv. Isn't it exciting? How excited are you for improv, Rob? How much improv have you done before? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I, yeah, let's just say I don't do a lot of improv. It's not my style. But you are excited. Excited is a word. <laughs> It sure is. Um, last time I checked the dictionary, um, and you, you, you feel excited. You, you feel unexcited, de-excited, inexcited, unexcited. Wow, that's a lot of excited. Um, oh, which one do I choose? Uh, no, no. I, you know, I'm here. I'm excited. You know, let's uh, let's have a bit of fun. I'll, I'll go along with it and. Yeah. Uh, see what happens i think fun is a good word to describe improv so um yeah. on that note i'm just gonna say some things about why we're doing improv um and first off i'm gonna say that the reason well the first reason why we're doing improv is because i love improv and i thought oh i can make this work in this podcast because improv is about trying and just doing it with improv the thing is that you don't actually fail because again you try uh, and you try your best and you have fun like improv is about having fun and sort of breaking free and just doing anything in this way failing suddenly means succeeding right because it's just fun so we're gonna start with a warm-up and rob this is very exciting so the first warm-up is called eight things uh what you're gonna do you're gonna give me First, you're going to give me eight languages. You can go now. English, French, Italian, German, Russian, Spanish, Dutch, uh, Portuguese. That, that, that's eight. That's eight. Cool. <laughs> well done. I, you know what? I struggle with this Did I one. Win? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just wait. You, there's time for winning later. <laughs> and that's really well done because this, this is I mean you know what no it is it's it this one languages might be a bit simpler or it might not depends on how stressed you are or how much pressure you feel pressure but the next one you're going to do is eight epic fails so you're ready for those well I mean I'm never going to be ready I can't think of eight fails but unless, <laughs> I mean you know might as well I'll do it. I'm sure you will find some. And you can try to be quick. I mean, the point is to be quick. So the thing is that you can also talk in gibberish. You know, that's part of it as well, as long as there's something coming out of your mouth. Oh, wow. This is interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. And we're going to go in one, two, three. Oh, do I go now? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm really nervous. Okay. Uh, oh, my goodness. Okay. Slamming the door closed and the doorknob coming up on your hand um uh slamming down the telephone receiver and breaking the phone 
Oh my goodness. Leaving the oven on and exploding your house. How many is that? That's three. That's three. Jesus. Okay. What about, what about? <laughs> <laughs> Just say it. <laughs> it's so hard. I mean, like, it sounds ridiculous. Walking into an elevator as the doors are closing and getting stuck between doors. Trying out a new method of opening a champagne bottle and the entire bottle smashing uh, in your hands, especially when it's a very expensive bottle. Oh, oh, hanging up pictures on a wall uh, without the necessary equipment and just using like, I don't know, sticky stickers. And then in the middle of the night, having the, the entire picture come crashing down onto the floor. Going on holiday and setting up uh, a special mechanical uh, food bowl for your cat which, you know, changes every, you know, I don't know, six or 12 hours to another food bowl so that they have food going for like a couple of days while you're away. And then realizing upon your return that it didn't move around at all because you didn't put batteries in it. Yeah, that a good one. Um, what about, oh, oh, playing um, virtual reality, with a virtual reality headset, playing, I don't know, like a game of tennis or something and throwing your, you know, remote, into the TV and breaking the TV. That's eight that? things. Eight things, Rob. Oh my God. The level of detail. <laughs> really? Oh. Well done. That's probably, I'm not supposed to have favorites, but that was probably the <laughs> best one we've had. That was incredible. You say it to everyone. No. <laughs> you can go back and listen and see that I don't. Wow. No, that, that and they were. 100% epic as well. Well, I tried to make them, you know, relatively like kind of rare and detailed. Yeah. How did you come up with that? I'm super amazed. Well done. I was nervous. Thank you. But that, you know what? That's interesting. So if you get nervous, do you usually become good at something? Wow. I haven't really thought about that. I mean, um, I know that when I'm nervous, it's hard to tell for, for other people. You know, I've often been commented on that, like I seem, for example, like the most, I guess, most recent example of doing a speech in front of lots of people was at my wedding. Um, I had to give a speech, obviously. And I was so nervous because it's a room full of people, even though I know them all. <laughs> but yeah, you know, nervous inside, but people say how, you know, I seem quite relaxed and confident. And it's like before, because I used to, I've worked at Buckingham Palace over the years and I've, I had to do fire safety procedure kind of, um, not demonstration, but kind of like, you know, talking about the procedures and stuff to, to you know, a room full of wardens, as they're called. And, um, you know, super nervous, but you've got to do it. you just got to stand up and do it. So, yeah, I mean, I think um, I don't necessarily like knock it out of the park, but I just I just get on with it and do it. That's an amazing quality. Wow, thank you. <laughs> wow, excellent. We're going to move on to the next uh, warm up, which is questions only. And I keep saying I don't like this game, mostly because I'm not good at it. But that's the reason you've got to do it, right? Because you've got to become better and you've got to enjoy the fails. So our scene or our where we are is we're, uh, we're viewing a flat. And is this in London? <laughs> it can be anywhere. Um, I'll start the first question and then you can... You can decide to ask if we are in London. No, you will see if I answer. <laughs> right, Rob. What do you think about the bathroom? You mean the one upstairs? 
Yeah, does it have a sink? Don't all bathrooms have sinks? <laughs> you know, my problem there was that I was going to be some. I, I was going to say something really smart because London houses, or maybe even British houses, don't have sinks in the bathrooms, and it's fucking annoying. Yeah, you've got like um, a room with just a toilet. Um, are you sure? Yes. I, I'm not sure I've come across that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? Really? It's so London. Or well, at least, I mean, I don't know anything about the rest of England, but it's very London. It's very stupid. It is. It sounds stupid. I've never seen that in my life. It, it's because you're a privileged man who's experienced the best of London. Yes, so. <laughs> That's the only answer. <laughs> anyway, they, they, that, so I was going to say something that said something cool about that but i couldn't do that so i failed but um but again nice. it was fun so now yeah. we're still going to be viewing flats but now you start rob so do you like this one is this the white one are you asking me if this is the right one <laughs> the one is it the one with the white walls well it's the one we're standing in now can you not see don't you know that i'm blind why have you never told me this? Why do, do I have to tell you this? Don't blind people normally carry sticks? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to stop you right there because my answer was so bad. So, Rob, you win. Yay! That's my prize. <laughs> There's glory. Fantastic. Eternal. I'll take it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> also, there is more coming up, actually, on that note. But we're going to... I must say, I'm quite sad that I didn't do it better so you could shine because i'm sure i'm sure you would have shown shown shined uh more with your excellent improv expertise as we've just seen so i'm sorry about that no you're you're very kind to say that but i'm very happy to not do improv <laughs> well we're now anyway we're going to move on to the main improv actually the main prov so we're not completely done with improv um unfortunately yeah. and and this one is yeah, it's bigger. Uh, it leaves you more room, actually, to do some of that excellent improv again. So the next one we're going to do is Remember. <laughs> I think it's called Remember. It probably doesn't probably doesn't have a name, but we're going to call it Remember. So I'm going to be interviewing Rob. He's lived a long life. He's about 90 years old. Um, and we're going we're gonna to look into all the failures that he's done. And uh, I'm sure they are great. And I'm sure that he's learned a lot from them. So, Rob, I'm going to start this interview by, by talking to you about that moment when you tried to close the door and it was a glass door and you smacked it just a little bit too hard and it smashed into a million pieces. Do you remember that, Rob? I do remember um, but we got a new door out of it, which was made out of reinforced glass. It was much stronger. Oh, that was a simple solution. Yeah, the insurance paid for it. There's no problem. <laughs> and do you remember that time when you were eating chocolate, Rob? And it actually... Well. Yeah, <laughs> but it wasn't actually chocolate. It was licorice. Oh. And you don't like ric licorice, do you? Do you remember that? Yeah, but it was for a dare, and I won £100 out of doing that. <laughs> yeah, what is suffering, yeah. anyway? 
Do you remember, oh, Rob, do you remember that time you were hiking and then you walked to the top of the mountain and then you finally had like one meter left, but then you tripped and slid down the whole way. Do you remember that? I remember it vividly, but then my wife picked me up from the bottom and she carried me all the way to the top. And that's when I knew she loved me. <laughs> what a successful story. So, Rob, do you remember that time at work and you were watching adultery? <laughs> oh, wow. I don't think adultery is the word. You were watching something, let's call it insensitive uh, material on your computer when the vice president of the company entered the room and saw your screen. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Um, it was a great way for me and my supervisor to then laugh it off afterwards and become good friends. Oh, Rob, it seems like you've had many, uh, many affairs happening to you, but you've always found a way to get out of it in a good way. Indeed, indeed. That's all we can do. Just yeah. do our best. Excellent. And now the last one, which is a small competition, which is the actual competition. So you are going to talk for as long as you can about a certain topic. And then you cannot say the words make and you cannot say the word and. And your topic will be, mm. and please correct my pronunciation, but I know you like this thing. Onigiri. Oh, nice. Good topic. Uh, you start. Were well, you ready? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> right. So in three, one, two, three. So onigiri are a wonderful Japanese snack, which uh, comprise uh, rice, uh, sort of pressed into uh, a triangular shape, then covered with seaweed within the onigiri we uh we place uh, numerous uh, ingredients including things such like uh, pickled plums tuna and mayonnaise uh, oh i failed you failed indeed a little and sneaking in there tuna and mayonnaise oh dear oh dear rob well let me have a look at your time it is 37.43 well done oh wow that's just underneath um sarah who had 37.52 oh my god wow yeah i think i could have done longer but anyway it doesn't matter <gasps> That's what they all say. <laughs> yeah. I just want to take this opportunity and say that I have properly failed. Uh, but what is a failed podcast without a failing, right? You see, it has come to my attention that I completely missed um, an and that Amanda said in the last episode, uh, which is really awkward because I'm supposed to be really concentrating. And I, I think I am properly concentrating, but it turns out I am probably concentrating too much, which doesn't make sense. I know, I know, I know. It's all it's all me, this. Um, but anyway, so Amanda's score is actually, it's actually just 2220. 
um, instead of 38.25, which is a bit sad, but, you know, this is a competition. We've got to get it right. Otherwise, what's the point, you know? It's, it's, it's about glory, this, and you can't give glory to people who fail. Okay, you can. That's the whole point, isn't it? But we've we got to live by some kind of rules here. So, unfortunately, Amanda, you've jumped down a couple of spots, but it's okay, you know, it is all just fun and games. And also, in the end, I'm the one who's lost this because I fucked up massively. Um, anyway, the new, um, the new order of, of winners, I suppose. I don't know what that's called. Uh, that is Bradley... Sarah, then Rob, woo! Um, and then Amanda, and then Tina. Right, so we got that out of the way. Now, Rob, how did you find the improv? Uh, it was an interesting challenge. That you were very excited about. Sure. And enjoyed very much. Absolutely. <laughs> but were you were you nervous for, for all of it or like stressed? Yeah, I'm just not, I'm just not, you know, improv isn't something that I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, improv just makes me nervous because it's like, it's not planned. It's not, I'm just a planner. That's all. Yeah. It just, it goes against, it goes against my grain. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It's, it is a challenge. It's, uh, it's, some people I think find it really easy, but it is, it is a difficult thing really, because you need to completely relax in your mind, but still focus yeah yeah wow um perfect so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up so i have a concluding question for you rob which is if failing is succeeding because you're learning from it what's your next failure that's a really hard question and i think uh, the only way i can answer it is by saying something along the lines of you know my next failure will be a decision on my future career path where I go from here and you know either you know maybe I'll quit the family business and quit the translation and I'll try and become a composer all over again and that'll just be a failure you know it just won't work or maybe I won't do that and I'll be sensible or what I deem to be sensible and stick with the family business and translation and things I know what to do with and that will mean that I don't become a composer and I don't pursue that and that will be the failure you know mm. so who knows I think whatever path you choose there is a failure to be found but there's also a success to be found you're going to fail at one thing because you didn't do that one thing you chose to go another way yeah uh, which may fail and then you end up succeeding in a in a you know a completely different place anyway so you know I think it's just a whole string your life for everyone really is a string of failures and uh, and mistakes and then successes and you know and then coming to terms with failures and successes and it's just yeah it's, it's a big roundabout it goes all, all on all the time it's the circle of life if you will <laughs> yeah no I think you put the words to it pretty pretty well there that it is very much about that if you if you don't try something you failed already. So then why yeah. not just try and fail properly or like at least try? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to do something. Yeah. You, you got to do, you can't just, you could live a safe life, but like a safe life is just boring, isn't it? Well, thank you so much, Rob, for giving me all your incredible insight and perspective of the world. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me. It's been really fun. 
I hope it has. I hope you've enjoyed, especially improv and sharing your deepest, darkest secrets. Oh, well, well, I didn't share my deepest, darkest <laughs> secrets. That's for the next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Secret Switchstein. I think that's that should also yeah. be another one. So, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, it's been a true joy. And remember, failing could lead us down pathways we wouldn't have found if we didn't have the courage to just try. Like getting rejected on all of your dream schools, but ending up loving leads because of it. XOXO, the microphone and me. Have fun failing!